0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. This week is my co-host, Joe Perez. Uh, We're just going to jump into stuff this week because, yeah, I I don't really feel like we need to talk too much about what's going on in the world. Let's talk about something nicer, namely the land of the dead, where we're constantly trapped (laughs) by a evil figure who's attempting to discover how to escape and destroy all human and all other things, elf entity, troll entity, entity, torn entity, torn entity. I don't know whatever Shuhalo Hollow I don't know. But at any rate, uh yeah. First up, this week Castle Nathria LFR and Mythic Raiding have started. Um I believe it's just Wing One of Castle Nathria.
1: It LFR. is. Um, yeah, I I did it today.
0: And uh so if you haven't
1: But Wing One without uh, Shriekwing.
0: Oh. Okay. So
1: when you zone in, Shriekwing is already dead. You face off against Wing One is or LFR Wing One is um the Hungerer. Uh, the huntsman and I can't remember the lady's name. Uh, but basically, chief anima person slash assassin, uh, lady something. So Shriekwing
0: going to be in a different wing, or is it just straight up dead when you do it, and you never
1: fight. Shriek? So I, th- it's just straight up gone, and I think that's intentional. Shriek Shriekwing is an interesting fight to have as your your introduction fight to the dun- or to the raid, and I think removing him was deliberate, and I think it was because that fight will requires so much coordination i don't know if a group of people in lfr could successfully do it
0: eventually the buff would get so high but
1: yeah
0: uh okay that's interesting so yeah also mythic is open so now the mythic world race is on and you know someone guild you've maybe never heard of or maybe you have heard of will will win I, i'm real jaded on mythic world first tough guys Uh, I don't know how it's going to go with this expansion. I hear that Castle Nathria, I haven't gotten into it yet, straight up. Um, I just hit 60 on my first character, and I'm just trying to get this character up. But uh, from what I understand, Nathria has required a bit more coordination than previous raids. Yeah. And so I think that this will be a slightly longer mythic race than usual. I don't know if we're going to end up with another situation where guilds hammer through it with sheer gold. That's kind of been how the last couple mythic races have gone. Uh, the guild that ultimately ends up winning spends untold amounts of gold to do it. Um, I don't know if that'll be the case this time. Uh, I do think that the Shadowlands has, has changed things up with with Soulbinds and so forth. Um, but I do think we should watch and see how much the top world-first guilds are, are spending because that will probably control what happens next. Also, this is the starter raid. And generally speaking, the the world-first battle doesn't really heat up until we start getting into later raids. Like, um, for battle for Azeroth, I think the first time I really cared about world first was, was with Queen Azshara Mm-hmm. and Nihalatha. Those were the ones I really watched. Um, the stuff before, did you really care that much who got world first to Zaralore? I mean, some people obviously did, but it didn't feel like it was in, it didn't feel real to me until mid tier of the, uh, expansion so we'll see what happens this time i don't know how 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 complicated people are going to want to get here
1: well not only that but uh padilla in chat makes a very good point too with titan forging and war forging gone thankfully uh, it reduces a lot of the money that can be thrown at the world first races, because a lot of times that's what they were looking for in running multiple things to try to get Warforging and Titan Forge procs to get better stat allocation, stat budgets, sockets, and things like that to try to, to sort of out the budget for the content, and that's not really an option now.
0: Gearing is definitely slower this time, and that stuff that you just mentioned, tight forging and war forging, is gone. There's no corrupted items to look for, so yeah, uh, I think legendaries are going to be the main focus, and that's the kind of stuff you kind of have to do yourself. Yeah, we- we'll see. We'll see what happens with that, but uh, that's that's in the game now. So if you're if you're the kind of person who doesn't do normal rating but you do LFR, then you now can start working on Castle Nathria LFR. Um, I forget what the gear level is for it. I think it's like like 180
1: for castle nathria yeah i think it's a little bit higher than that because 184 is uh mythic zero maybe it's one it's higher i don't know but yeah i want to this... say it's like 190 to 200 i'm gonna double check keep talking but
0: uh, while we're talking about that um i'm gonna mention this briefly while WoW classic uh is officially essentially done because naxramas came out and got cleared like in an hour and a half so yeah that's that's done uh, what are we going to see next? I don't know. I assume, like, based on a lot of speculation and a lot of, you know, Blizzard themselves asking people about it, I think we're probably going to see Burning Crusade servers. I don't know how that's going to work. Item level 200, or, by the way. Two, okay, thank you. So item level 200 for uh, Castle Nathria LFR. Or normal. Sorry, not, not LFR. So we're normal? Okay, yeah. yeah. We're talking LFR here. So that would be...
1: Uh, Raid Finder is 187. Still higher 187. than thick. Okay, but it's not much higher. No. Uh,
0: all right. So yeah, moving to the, the the WoW Classic discussion. My theory, and I'm going to ask Joe what he thinks. My theory is we're going to see Burning Crusade servers. I don't think I don't think they're going to put Burning Crusade servers. Uh, just they're going to turn every server to a to a WoW Classic Burning Crusade. I think they're going to put in dedicated Burning Crusade servers, uh, but I don't think we're going to see anything more than that this year at the you know for sure. Like I definitely, if you're expecting a Wrath of the Lich King, don't expect it in 2021.
1: Yeah. But what do you think, Joe? I think that's very likely. Um, I think we'll probably hear more about it at the uh, Digital BlizzCon when that goes down. Uh, they'll probably make it a, a point. And I also think that there are going to be, because I don't think people realize how much the game changed even from cl- uh, vanilla to Burning Crusade. I think you're right. I think that there will be uh, server clusters that have both uh, and then ones that are dedicated purely vanilla. And then depending on how Burning Crusade goes, whether they expand that out uh, and add more to the pool or whether they um, start looking at other expansions, it's all going to be variable uh, and it's all going to depend. But I don't think we're going to get any further than probably a solid announcement on Burning Crusade being when it's going to wind up being a thing and how many servers are going to stand up for it for populations. So,
0: yeah, and you have to remember, too, they'll have to decide what version of Burning Crusade to use. Just like they did with Wild WoW Classic. Wild WoW Classic based itself around patch one point twelve. Yep. And that's important because the game at patch one point two was very different than one point six or one point eight or one point twelve. These were they there were a lot of rules changes along the way, and the same thing happens. There's a part, there's a point during Burning Crusade when they made a change to allow Thunderclap to hit more than four targets. And they had to do that because warrior tanks were literally useless. Mm-hmm in five man's you would not bring them. Like to the point where up until you got to raiding, paladins and druids absolutely destroyed warriors as tanks. Everybody had a paladin or a druid tank in five mans. And then you got to raiding and suddenly bosses did stuff that only shield block could handle. Yep. And the tanks you geared up, the tanks you you were so desperate to get, the tanks you were like, we don't need warriors anymore, thanks. Were you were dying. They were getting destroyed. Like they they do great through the trash. And then you walk up to a boss, and the boss would kill them. And I know this is what happened because I was there, and I remember getting recruited by a guild that just could not get past Karazhan. They couldn't do it because they didn't have any warrior tanks. And that wasn't that's this wasn't great for anybody. This wasn't great for warriors because we were persona non grata until suddenly people were like, "Oh God, we're in raids and we're dying." It wasn't great for paladins and druids because imagine you'd been your guild's main tank the whole expansion. You'd leveled your character up to 70. You've done all the work to carry your character, your your guild through all the the heroic dungeons to get yourselves ready for Karazhan. You walked into Karazhan, and you started getting destroyed on bosses, not because you were doing badly, not because you weren't playing your class right, because you just couldn't deal with this stupid mechanic that required shield block to push it off the table. That just was terrible, and that is the kind of mechanic you're going to see. You're going to see. I remember seeing paladin tanks uh, in Hyjal when we were doing the Hyjal raid. One paladin tank we had had to repair his shield after every pull. Like he literally had to get, like he'd leave the raid and go repair his shield. Or bring, like he started collecting shields from other boss fights or just had, I think he had three shields from various raids that he just carried around with him. Because his shields would just get destroyed. And that's just a really weird mechanic based on one of the paladin abilities. And that kind of thing is going to be there. They're going to have to pick... What's the what's the least onerous version of this? Do we just go with like the very last patch, like we did with WoW Classic? The reason they did that in WoW Classic wasn't because they you know they just thought well we'll stick with the it's because they found a version of original WoW at that patch. Mm-hmm. So this time with Burning Crusade, I don't know how they're gonna but. I think they're definitely going to have to think long and hard. Okay, how how are we going to do content releases, and how are we like? Let me ask Joe. What do you think they should do for content releases if they do do Bernie Crusade Wild Classic?
1: I don't even know what I would pick for that. Like that's I haven't really given that any thought. I don't know how I would want them to to do that or what I think would be the best way to do that. Because I mean, Bernie Crusade was a weird release cycle for content, wasn't it? Like it's been a Part long of, time. Yeah.
0: Part of the problem was for Bernie Crusade. I don't know if you guys. If you were playing like original WoW at the time and you went into the Burning Crusade, you went from a forty-man raid group to a supposedly twenty-five-man raids. So you you know you thought, okay, we're gonna lose about
1: fifteen people. Uh, we're just not gonna have space for as many people. I mean, we like I was in a guild that wound up running two raid groups because
0: yeah, because the other thing is the introductory raid of Burning Crusade was a ten-man raid.
1: Yeah, so they told
0: hand. you they told you you're gonna lose. You know, we're going from forty to twenty-five, but then they jammed you through a ten-man.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I believe that the release cycle, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Karazhan first, Gruul's Lair, then Magtheridon's Lair. I think Gruul's and Magtheridon's were at the same time. They were the first yeah, ones. I think
0: Gruul's might have been a little like like a week or so earlier. I'm not sure. Yeah, but they were basically at the same time. Then we yeah. then those we had those three, those three started, and they they were it for uh, at least a few months.
1: Yeah, until and then Serpentrine Cavern came after that. Uh, yeah, then I mean, we had not long after that. Yeah, the Eye came after that. Then it was uh, Battle for Mount Hyjal. Uh, then Black Temple, and then finishing off with Sunwell. Uh, But we forgot Zulamon. Ah, that's right. Zuliman was in there as well. It came out
0: after Black Temple. It did. Yeah. In fact, a lot of people were going into Zuliman to get alternate gear because they weren't getting it in Black Temple. And the gear was about the same level. Uh, I think it was a little lower than Black Temple, but there were some really good pieces. There was a tanking helmet that uh, that looked ridiculous. It looked like you were wearing a chicken for a face, but it was really good. Uh, I used it for a very long time uh Zuliman actually had some really compelling drops and they were they were at or they were around the same level as burning uh, black temple gear i think they were a little below it but not by much and then that was also because of the badge situation badges of justice were were a thing because of that there was the vendor that that came with the Sunwell, mm-hmm. and that vendor you could basically for badges of justice you could buy black temple level gear um, a lot of Fury Warriors were using the two fist weapons that, that that vendor sold because they were just amazing. They were as good as anything. They were they were the only thing better than them that that was in the game at the time because Sunwell hadn't actually opened yet was the 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 warglades. If you had the warglades, you didn't have to worry, but otherwise, these these fist weapons were as good or better than anything else. I would think for for content, I would actually try and, and shake it up where I would put Carazon out first and then I'd put out Gruels and mag and i would then stagger it a lot more i would like make i would have serpent shrine come out and then i would have tempest keep come out yeah but the and problem black temple, black temple and the hyjal and black temple come out
1: the problem they're going to run into is going to be the same problem that that they run into right now which is how quickly the content gets cleared
0: yeah but the difference is there's a lot more attunements in bc remember you had to attune to even get into carazan that's true and then you had to attune to even get into tempest keep uh and you had to beat both vaj and kelthas to get into mount hyjal for a very long time i think they removed that at some point but they did yeah for a while you had to like get through those two and and we i remember my my guild beat kelthas the week before they changed it we finally got him down we were like yes we can finally go to burning temple black temple next next week black temple's open because you had to go to hyjal first to go to black temple that's the other thing ton of attunements so there's going to be a lot of the attunements will artificially slow down progression and you can artificially slow it down more plus while we have had I I think you're definitely going to see what you're saying people are going to blow those raids up really fast I don't think they're going to be as fast
1: well because they introduce way more mechanics than the uh, yeah like think about the
0: gale fight yeah even knowing what's coming even with all those videos and stuff telling you what to do it and even with the fact that it's not going to run at like three frames per second Kael'thas is still, like, at level. Kael'thas is a fight, man. There's a lot going on. Like You have to have somebody run out and pick up an, a, the proper legendary or get the... Le- like, I remember when I was tanking it, people had to run up to me in open trade during fights to hand me the shield because I hadn't, I didn't have time to get it. Like, I had to like, go pick stuff up. I was busy. So people would run up to me and hand me the shield to fight Kael'thas so that I could... And that's another thing. If you're a druid, you just could not tank Kael'thas. Mm-hmm that you had to have the shield that that made it you know survivable and so if you're a druid take something else i guess so yeah i i do think we're going to see burning crusade and i think it's going to be staggered out pretty far but yeah at this point we're just speculating so we should probably move on to some other news and this is actual news although it is certainly to a degree somewhat speculative uh the diablo 4 quarterly developers update went live today uh as we're recording this on the 15th um if you haven't looked at it, I suggest you go look at it. It doesn't give any story stuff, so it's not exactly spoilers, but there's this is a pretty deep dive on what they're going to do with mechanics. Um, first up, they've iterate, they've decided the Skill tree system that they talked about the last quarterly update, the way that they're going to work, um, which is basically it's a very similar to like an, it's, an, it's an expanded uh, late 20, early 21st century version of the Diablo 2 system to a degree. Uh, if you've played a modern game, you, you know what skill, skill trees work. This one's pretty elaborate, and they've decided that they like it and that they're pretty much, this is the direction it's going to go. From this point on, they're iterating on the skill tree system. They're not, there's no chance of them scrapping it. Well, I can't say no chance, but there's little chance of them scrapping the skill trees and doing something else. It's probably going to be the skill tree, but they're going to iterate on it. One of the things they're doing is changing it so that the, the skill tree clusters better, so if you're trying to say build a whirlwind build, the stuff that you want to make whirlwind better will be closer to whirlwind and you won't have to go as far away to get it. Um that's one thing they're they're, they're doing. The other thing they're doing is they're putting in respecking. But the way they're doing respecking is going to be familiar to anyone who played Battle for Azeroth and remembers respecking their their Azerite gear in that it's you have unlimited respecs you can respec as many times as you want but every time you respec it becomes more expensive to do it again Mm -hmm. and this isn't one that will flush like if you don't do it for a while it will go down as it stands right now there's no mention of that it's just you as you respec it gets more expensive it might there might be a cap like once you get to a certain point they
1: didn't they didn't introduce the decay until wrath right
0: oh you mean actual talent respecting yeah um no they didn't do that until wrath um and in fact but but then again it, it it respecking when they first put respecking in which again if you played original world of warcraft respecking was not in the game until like patch 1.4 um f- if you played for the first few months your talents were permanent like you spent a talent it was spent that was your character now
1: uh 1.1 1.1 1.1 yeah
0: all right so more rec- recently than i thought i mean more quickly than I thought. Cause I just remember like people telling me that and being like, Oh God, I really wish I hadn't taken that talent, but the way this is going to work, you, you can always respect and it'll be cheap at first. So they want to encourage people to take talents and play around. I keep saying talents when I mean skills, it's basically the same thing. You, you take skills, play around, figure out what you want to do. And then when you start getting an idea, Oh, I want to do this, then you'll be able to do it. You'll, you'll go all in on it, but it won't, it won't be free. Like there will be an extending cost so that when you are like, when you're fully along in the game, you're max level and you're in end game, you will be disincentivized from switching talents and skills because they want you to develop a play style and feel unique compared to other characters. Another way they're doing this. I don't know if, did you get a chance to read this at all, Joe, or am I going to like be babbling a lot
1: here? Mostly. I just picked a little bit through it. So I'm I'm going to be relying on you for, for the Diablo stuff, my friend.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a surprise for everybody. They like Rossi can't talk about you. Um, But to get to the next thing they've done, they've decided to make stat allocation a thing again. I'm okay with that. If you play Diablo three, they just allocated your stats for you when you leveled up. They're like, okay, you're a barbarian. You get stronger. Uh, Here, they're basically putting it back up to you. And and one of the things about that is in a role-playing game, I was talking about this with Liz in work chat today. One of the points she made was that in most RPGs, this is an illusion of choice. Mm -hmm. because there's really no reason to spend points anywhere but on your primary stat
1: to that i say my diablo 2 characters say ha
0: the point is still valid
1: Um, yeah no it it is
0: you were pushing if you were pushing the hardest content diablo 2 you spent it where you could get the most damage
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: that's what you did um if you weren't then you could do what you wanted they're they're making the system more like One of the things they did was that, yes, you're a barbarian, you're going to want strength. They're not, no one's pretending, but they've made it so that both willpower and dexterity do things for you. And you're not going to want to just dump everything into strength all the time. You're going to want to get one of those two things, or at least because willpower increases fury generation and you want fury generation. You want to be able to do more stuff and dexterity increases crit chance. And I don't have to tell you that you want to critically hit things because that is just we play role playing games where it's wired into us. Critting is good. Um, so, and this is the same for like the sorceress; they they make it so dexterity actually increases mana generation. Uh, so, if you're, I guess the the principle is if you're nimble, then you're quick. You're quick both in body and mind, and you get your mana generation back faster. And you know, again, uh, constant like willpower will will also give you benefits. And they're making it so. There are, te- when you have a skill, you could buy like various skills. There are also skill nodes that basically just make a skill better. Like the example they used was Whirlwind. If you have a higher dexterity, then you'll unlock a special benefit if you take this node. If you have a higher strength, you'll unlock a special benefit when you take that node. So you could actually be a dexterity barbarian who prioritized dexterity to a degree so you could do stuff that would get you more movement speed and, and quicker strikes and be like a more crit heavy build. But the strength the strength build would get more critical damage. So if you do crit with that build, it hits harder and does more damage. So that so you could basically play around with building your character and that's what makes the skill respecking thing more interesting because you could go for a flavor of build. Like there could be strength druids. Like maybe maybe you'll focus more on your shapeshifting and you'll be a strength druid versus being a, you know, willpower druid. Who builds around spellcasting? We don't. We don't know yet for sure because we haven't seen the whole thing. But that's the kind of thing that could happen. I'm interested in seeing how this works. I think that this making stat allocation is something you actually have to think about, not just oh, I'm a barbarian so I have an eight int, um, but to really actually focus on what you're going to do and like how you want to build it. That's interesting to me. I, does it doesn't mean it's going to work. We have seen this kind of thing before in various other games, but I am cautiously optimistic about it there's more to this of course there's also the thing that they talked about and we're going to stop at this point because it's already almost seven and i don't want the entire podcast (laughs) but they've also talked about how they're going to be doing legendary affixes and unique items uh they don't want to do seen
1: unique items since diablo 2 right like there weren't there There weren't
0: there are uniques in diablo 3 were there yeah most of them are weapons but no there's like unique helmets and so forth absolutely there are huh um, just there's, for instance, there's that, that shoulders, there's that pair of shoulders that makes you things shower you with gold when you kill things. That's a unique legendary item. It's not a set piece.
1: Oh um, yeah. Well, those are, those are unique legendaries. I think we're a little bit different than what I'm thinking. Cause yeah. like in Diablo two unique items where they're all class all of themselves and it looks like they're bringing that back.
0: Yeah, but it's still basically the same thing. Just because they they, they made sure. legendary items, it didn't change the fact that they were basically still the same. It, it's basically that. But by making them absolutely, by, by going, a lot of the stuff they're doing here the, with the unique items, with the way legendary officers are working, I I think, again, Liz and I were talking, I think Liz had a good point that it feels like they're trying to slow the game down a bit. Because one of the things about Diablo 3 is it's an extremely frenetic game. Mm-hmm. You don't have, there's not a lot of time wasted on stuff like, um, I want to, like, I, I need to decide between, you know, attributes. Nope, you, you just get the attributes. Um, it isn't until you start getting Paragon points you make any actual choices about where you spend them. And there's a lot to that idea that this is, this definitely feels like a game that is slowing itself down a little bit and bringing more variety into player choice. It's kind of amping up the RPG elements of Diablo. Whereas Diablo Three was definitely a game that sort of stepped like away from them a bit, in a way, Diablo Three, especially with uh, torment levels and with the uh, greater Nephilim rifts, Diablo Three is a roguelike. Like if you actually stop and think about it, Diablo Three in a lot of ways is a roguelike.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of is because even like no matter which way you slice it, like especially adventure mode, it really does play like a roguelike, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and this is kind of moving away from that a little bit, which I think is a good move because um. You're not going to beat Hades. Uh, don't try. Uh, maybe somebody else can at this point, but I don't think Blizzard is the... Blizzard is not the kind of company that's going to deliver that sort of agile... Yeah, I mean, they I even they even moved
1: away, away from that a little bit with Torghast, too. Yeah,
0: and I think Torghast, to a certain degree, is actually a good example of how Blizzard excels at development. Um, I think Torghast is one of the best things they've done, but that's got nothing to do with this. Um, my point being that with, with the changes to everything that we're seeing... It definitely feels like diablo 4 is going for a slightly more measured more role-playing game approach it still feels like a diablo game i mean it's i don't think you i don't think i'm going to be naming my barbarian but then again they are bringing in customization levels that that are unheard of to a diablo game
1: and we named our characters in diablo 2. Yeah, but you were
0: doing it even though you all looked exactly the same yeah you know, whereas here it, it, it there's a level of customization for what your character looks like in Diablo 4 that is significant for a Diablo game. Um, it's not even as much as what World of Warcraft now has in Shadowlands, but it's still way more than Diablo has ever had. Like, you can control... If you play a female barbarian, which you can do, you can play male or female for pretty much anything. Uh, if you play a female barbarian, you can change your hair color. You can change your skin color. Um, obviously, they're all human, because my dreams of playing a demon in Diablo are you know, never going to actually happen. But... Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I think in general what we're looking at for Diablo 4 is a game that it, that's taking it a little slower and is trying to get back to its roots to some degree. And its roots being Diablo 2 because nobody counts Diablo as the roots of it. You know, Diablo 2 is the game that made Diablo what it is. Um, as I, I remember once saying, even if Diablo 3 is is legitimately, even if you honestly think Diablo 3 is better than Diablo 2 in every conceivable way, that's like saying, well, this modern band I like is better than the Beatles. It doesn't matter. Even if you're right... Even if everybody in that band is way better than the Beatles, which I can't prove, and that's completely subjective, but it wouldn't matter if you were right, because they're not the Beatles. The Beatles are the Beatles. Their place in music history is assured. There's literally nothing that can be done about this. And it's like saying, you know, I don't like J.R.R. Tolkien. I cannot like J.R.R. Tolkien all I like. Who cares? He still wrote the books he wrote. They're still out there. They're still titans dune is still the most one of the most colossal science fiction books of all time no matter what you think of the writing of it, and to a degree that's diablo with diablo 2 diablo 2 is that game and it's not a surprise to me that they'd want to bring some of the feeling of that game back a lot of people still love diablo 2 a lot of people are still playing diablo 2 so if they can make their new game resonate with people who liked diablo 3 whilst also bringing in people from diablo 2 this is not a surprise to see a company do this um We've seen it as recently as you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla tried to harken back to Assassin's Creed Origins, and it tried to harken back to games before Origins. It tried to harken back to like Assassin's Creed II um, because those games have a built-in audience that really love them, and you're going to want to try and bring those people back. It's it's logical, but I think that's enough on that. Uh, did, do we have anything else? Uh, I think that's really about it. All right, then. Uh, at this point, we will do that thing where we move on to the questions and emails. A lot of these ones actually came from our Discord servers, so thanks to you guys on Discord. Uh, if you have a question for the show, first off, you can email it, and please do because uh, it's a wasteland of floor watch questions in there right now, guys. I, and I, I considered stealing a couple, but I didn't want <laughs> because that's me. Uh, but if you can email us, uh, the email is podcast at blizzardwatch.com, the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch for this show, or you can do that thing where you like for either show, in which case whichever one of us gets there first. It's like watching a couple of dogs uh fight over a bone really it's it's not pretty but you can do that if you want or you can go to our discord server the patron q and podcast questions channel we look at first uh then there's the huge questions channel we also look at um you can do that for this show or lore watch but you know again please do it for the show because i i needed some questions this week guys it was it was a wasteland um Joe, is always, is going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Joe.
1: Not at all. Uh, our first question, maybe this was asked earlier, but if demons are supposed to go back to the plane they came from and not to the Shadowlands, and not the Shadowlands why do you fight at least two of them in the Theater of Pain and Maldraxxus? And I believe that is from Metalzani. Because the brokers capture them? Yes, literally.
0: There's even a quest where you go to some weird plane of existence and you you capture a thing to bring to the arena.
1: Yeah. Like literally as part of you proving your worth to the broker that you're dealing with in order to even participate in the arena games at all uh, is basically do me a favor. Go get me this monster. And you go through a portal through one of the broker portals and it takes you to another planet or plane of existence or somewhere. We don't know where. And you beat the living snot out of a creature until you can trap it in a pokeball. And then it goes back to it goes back to Maldraxxus. So.
0: Boy, that quest is easy to miss I've just di- I just started doing it on this character that I'm doing for the stream it's really not very centrally placed and it's not at all involved in the story of Maldraxxus but I recommend doing it because A it gives a really good weapon for the level and B it's very interesting to see Maldraxxus not as a place where all these machinations are happening but just the rank and file of Maldraxxus what are they up to? What does you know Joe Average Maldraxite do with his day? Turns out he likes to watch pit fighting a lot. And they have a really big arena that they like to watch fighting in. And you can do that. And if you remember all those various quests going back to, like, Burning Crusade and and Wrath with arenas full of weird fighting stuff, here you go. It's back. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend doing those. But, yeah, there's, like, also, like, there's other stuff in those fights, not just demons. There's also, like, I mean, there's weird, there's, like, Scourge Dragons. They're actual dragons. They're, like, like, um... Like Saffron-type dragons, ones from Azeroth-type things. They're
1: there. You fight one of them. So, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Yep. Uh, the next question, question for Blizzard Watch. Greetings, you watchers of the Blizzard. Two non-lore questions for you. Uh, if you could assign a music genre to each zone in the Shadowlands, what would you pick? If you could have a follower to adventure with you in Shadowlands, who would you pick from the past to adventure with? Thanks for everything you do, and I believe that is from Ripta, I think.
0: Name is above the, the question. That's who it's from.
1: Ah, I apologize. So that one's from Metal Zani. The first one yeah. didn't have a name associated with it. I apologize. So yeah, uh, music for each zone. That's a tough one.
0: Meldraxis is some form of like, you know, like hardcore about heavy metal band. I mean, yeah, you know, it,
1: it's it's basically the cover of every Iron Maiden album ever created. If you just look around Meldraxis. Actually go to like... Um, yeah, I guess Iron Maiden is a safe one to go with. There's yeah, man, I'm trying to be yeah, safe.
0: <laughs> yeah, like Man of War or something. I would probably go with from Aldraxis. or one of those bands that, like, let's be completely honest, one of those bands that Sam Wise likes to do cover art for.
1: Because that's basically it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I think I definitely think that you'd go with some kind of metal song. Bastion feels like it's soundtrack music. Like, you know how every like movie like, scores almost Like two steps from hell comes out with like a song that gets used in the commercials for like every movie for the past 10 years, like do, 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 do. Like if you remember the black widow yeah. Uh, yeah. trailers that were coming out that music, that's bastion sweeping orchestral sounds like somebody's about to fight somebody else like that kind of thing. That's definitely for me. That would be bastion. Um, I would actually think I would go with Kings and Creatures for them. I, I actually listen to a lot of soundtrack music, so I, I I actually have some, like I said, Two Steps from Hell, or or Kings and Creatures do do a kind of stuff like, uh, yeah. I would say I'm gonna actually say I would go with Audio Machine because um, they they do a lot of that. So yeah, I would go with something like that. That's
1: that's Bastion for me. What do you think? I tend to I would tend to agree. I don't think I have a better uh, answer for that. I think that fits pretty well actually.
0: Ardenwield. Um, part of the problem here is that the music for Ardenwield is pretty perfect for Ardenwield, so um, I, I almost just want to say that, but I'll try and and not do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, if you if you weren't just going to say Anya, and I don't think I don't think that's fair. I don't think for one thing I don't think that that's that's fair for Ardenwield. I think Ardenwield is a more interesting place than that, and that's not me dogging on Anya. I just feel like that you know it, it that's me giving you a stereotypical answer. Uh, Anya's actually a really fascinating musician if you actually want to study her work, but we don't have time and <laughs> I'm not an expert. Uh but I do think that there's a lot of um there's a mummer's dance. You guys remember the mummer's dance? Uh that song kind of reminds me of Arden Wheel a little bit, uh but not really. Uh yeah, I'm having I'm drawing a blank on Arden Wheel. What do you what about you? Buddy? So
1: Arden Wheel is a weird mishmash and it's a hard one to place and I think about s- some of this a el- I don't want to say a lot, but I've been thinking a lot about how well the music fits with Ardenwald. I normally play with music off in-game. I don't this expansion. Uh, but I, I get this almost like folksy cinematic vibe from it where everything is very expressive. Uh, all of the NPCs you interact with are very expressive. Everything has a sort of uh, whimsy or tension to it. And it feels very almost like if you were watching a a movie, yes, something like that. Or if you wanted to go something a little more cinematic-y, anything you, you look towards like from like the uh, seventies, almost like, any of those would fit really well because there's this intersection of like folksy emotional music and then some of them crescendo into uh big sweeping climactic moments and it fits so like your classic bob dylan stuff uh some of the uh, you know original paul simon stuff um things like that seem to actually fit well with the cadence of the zone uh but that's just my two cents for me,
0: the maw is Come On Eileen by Dexie Midnight Runners. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Don't get that song sometime. Like, it's actually really if You actually get the message. I know that it sounds like, Come on Eileen. Oh, I swear. But here's the thing here's going to be a little bit where Matt sidetracks into music stuff. Dexy's Midnight Runner is basically a band named after speed. Yeah. It's Dexter-y yep that's what they're called dexies Midnight runners the song come on eileen is about the you know realizing that your life wasn't going to go the way you wanted it to go and that you know you and this person could be in love but you were never going to have a good life you were just going to always be where you were like let's run away from this it's kind of like when people said they wanted born to run to be the soundtrack for like new jersey they wanted it to be the official music and and people had to point out Born to Run is about how craptastic the place they are is and how they should escape it. That's, that's what, you know, Come On Eileen is about let's get out of here. It's, it's, it's terrible here. So that's why the mall for me, it's Come On Eileen. And straight up. I wasn't being sarcastic. And, and uh, that, you know, Matt knows more about Come On Eileen than you expected. Runner-up for that was going to be Big Country. Yeah. (laughs) In a big country. Yeah. Seriously, the Maw is one of those places. It's you know, music about how much you want to get out is the kind of music that works for the Maw.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Revendreth for me is straight up nineteen ninety five alt rock. Like, no question about it. It's all about vampires and angst and emotion and and sin and decadence and revolution.
0: Here's a song, and I don't know if this agrees with you or disagrees with you. I honestly don't know. So, here is my my pick for Revendreth. Black Number One. Okay. Black, 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 Black Number One by Typo Negative.
1: Yeah, Typo Negative would definitely fit into that. That was like '93 alt, alt metal. Yeah, but very much one of those bands that you know you
0: always ended up hearing at every. You know, I'm just going to admit it. I went to some LARPs. Okay. Oh yeah. I am? No, if you went
1: to if you went to Vampire LARPs, that was on the soundtrack 100 of the time.
0: I remember like, going to see – I was going to a vampire LARP directly after a group of us went to see the vampire movie with Bill Paxton in it. Um, do you remember it?
1: I do. I name of the movie. Can't remember it. Uh, but not uh, the name, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and we
0: went to see that movie. Then we went to LARP, and I was like, yeah, I'm done LARPing. I'm never going to be like. – I'm never going to feel less than awkward. I like, just don't feel right doing this. But, yeah, typo negative is my pick for, for Revendreth.
1: Yeah. And, and but it, 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 it fits right into that cuz and this is my music nerd nerdum cuz I've been for for a little fun fact about me, I've been playing guitar for 32 years now. <laughs> uh, and I actually fronted a ska band in the 90s cuz I was a weird kid. Uh but the 90s was very much like this this alternative to thing. It was very very big and it was uh alternative to metal alternative to rock uh alt rap was starting to become a thing alt hip-hop yeah, was starting to be a thing
0: trying to like explain like the way, the way alternative changed in the 90s it's like in 1991 uh a band called mr
1: big put out a song called oh
0: I do you to want to you. do you want to hear that a fun is,
1: fact about that song sure, it was recorded in my childhood home okay i'm sorry to hear that <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that was like the biggest song in the world for a little while.
1: Yeah, it was. It and really why, was.
0: Why don't you know what it was? Because a band called Nirvana happened. Yeah. And the 90s didn't know how big Nirvana was going to be for like a year. They had no idea. After Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, people were still trying to put out other kinds of music. And it just sort of did not happen. Without that event, bands like Pearl Jam would never would have broke. You never would have heard of R.E.M., R.E.M. was already mm-hmm. out and putting out songs way before that. They were like putting out stuff in the 80s, but most people today wouldn't know who they were.
1: Yeah, until you get to their 90s albums and then alternative yeah. rock really opened that up. But that's that's what Revendreth feels for me because that's sort of what's happening in Revendreth. It's this, this cultural revolution that is starting to happen because it's been perverted. It's been uh, twisted from what its original form was. So every single time I'm in Revendreth, I have like... Literally, like the soundtrack to Empire Records, going into my, going on in my head. Like it is one hundred percent like alt music across the board because it just to me it fits that zone. And we haven't even gotten onto the uh, the adventurer NPCs that you would go with either. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not sure what you're asking me. Like, fr- like characters from WoW. Yeah, I think that's what they're asking is like if you had a uh, if you could have a follower to adventure with, basically if you could have a party like you do in like Dragon Age or any of the RPGs where you get to bring somebody with you, uh, who would you pick from the past to adventure with? And let's let's keep it to like wow, just because we get really weird and existential if we go real life on this one.
0: Uh, huh. Uh, I I guess maybe Karen Bloodhuff. Yeah. I mean I've, I've karen since he died that's one of the reasons i stopped really playing my And i tried to pick it up but with karen gone the horde changed and it's not bane's fault that he didn't wasn't really able to stop it because bane is just bane uh karen was the old bull i'd be interested to see what you know i first off i'd be interested to just get to see karen again quite frankly i feel like that needs to happen for bane's healing uh karen should show up and be like it's okay son uh, but yeah, I think Karen Bloodhuff, I would like to see Karen again.
1: I honestly would love to go with one of two characters, and these are both Pandaren, either Lily Stormstout, because I absolutely love the infectious, uh, inquisitive, don't back down scrappy-do nature of her as a character, and I think that she just approaches things in such a amazing way. Uh, you know, it. I think she would be absolutely fantastic to be adventure with, especially now in the Shadowlands, or Lorewalker Cho, because we're gathering history.
0: Yeah, but do you remember what it's actually like to go to places with Lorewalker Cho?
1: I loved it. I yeah, absolutely pushes, loved it.
0: Well, you know, canonically, Lorewalker Cho is the cause of all of your problems.
1: Yes, but <laughs> also, so am I, so I'm okay with it. I push buttons when I see them. <laughs>
0: possibly you're going to say the peppers guy
1: uh yes he is uh which is still my favorite quote in the game yeah um but yeah it, it's i don't know like i think the. i think those would be my picks just for for that because i'd love to see lore walker cho gathering stories that he had never heard before so uh and uh audio luke I, I in chat is saying Madan, but i almost want to kick him out of chat for that you're lucky sir
0: <laughs> yeah i hadn't even thought of that <laughs> <laughs> honestly I, i'm gonna be up front here i would like to bring madan back into canon
1: in a different way give give him some love and attention
0: one thing i don't think he'd be madan anymore because i don't like the idea of mediv and, and uh corona having a baby that just seems weird to me
1: no uh, but, but they could approach it differently right like it, they well,
0: could. I, I would like the idea of you know she just had a kid she named him after mediv because they had a thing they were like you know there was a period of time where she knew him and, you know, was dealing with him. Maybe she you know, liked him. I don't know. But, she, you know, I'd like to see Garona as a mom. That would be fine. For one thing, WoW needs more moms. WoW needs more, more moms more... that are just around and alive. And not, I was, I was know, just going
1: to say, more moms that are actually alive. Less dead moms, thanks.
0: Uh But also, I feel like the idea of a character who's trying to figure out what he wants to do with himself and, like, what, you know. Don't, it doesn't have to be the Guardian of Tears Fall. That, that whole thing. You know, he, he got this, this, I'd say he got the special power up for an emergency. Then he passed it on to the Terrace Fallen because that's what happened. And,
1: and honestly, then, like the idea of dealing with, with uh, mixed race uh, offspring. And we talked about this. I think uh, I think we had a question here a couple months ago. Uh, and I think we also had a question about it a couple months ago around the same time on Lore Watch about canonically, like, can races, the different races breed? Uh, or, or have offspring together. And I'd like to actually see that addressed with with some of that. I'd like to see, you know, what happens when Azeroth becomes the melting pot that it's been basically poised to become for how many years now? Like Yeah, there's stuff you could do with it. It would be interesting.
0: And I definitely think you could do stuff with Garona and her kid. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I have never been a really f- big fan of that whole revelation that,
1: you know, she and Medivh. No, we can skip that. That, that, that could be That could be a non-thing. That's fine,
0: or, or if you really feel like you need to preserve it, then fine, but i i, I would if I were doing it, I would get rid of that
1: if you're li- if you're but listening I, to Blizzard, you got a good writing core, let the, let them redo it. at
0: the- <laughs> any rate, uh, you know, I don't hate Madon. I certainly don't get the way some people do like, ah oh, God, you now I get why people do that, but now that you've brought him up, I do would like to see him again. I don't think I want to see him as my follower because that would be real weird real quick. Yeah, it would be like okay.
1: And know, and to be good. and to be clear, I don't hate him either. I just love giving Audi Luke uh, you know, the guff whenever I can. Well it is Joe. Um
0: but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think there's a there are a few other characters I can think of that I'd like to see. I, I really would love to, to see this character is not one that I necessarily want to be my follower, but it's one I definitely want to see in this expansion. I want to see Tiffin Wren. Yeah more than i want to see varian not because i hate varian i don't i think varian had a good send-off we've never got to see anything from tiffin
1: yeah maybe instead of anduin when we could talk about this on lore watch actually this might be something i write down for us to bring up on uh, on sunday the idea of instead of anduin getting reconciliation with his father spirit maybe he meets his mother
0: i think to a certain degree very anduin has gotten all from varian that varian uh-huh. could give him
1: i think i think meeting his mother might be better
0: at least, he's got nothing from her. He never got to know her. He never met her. I don't even think she had any living family.
1: No. At no, none that we know of. No
0: grandparent, you know, Alarian that we've ever heard of. So, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting. I, I would actually like to see Tiffin Rin show up again. But uh, we should probably move on, because otherwise we could probably yeah. keep talking about
1: Uh The next one is a little bit existential, and this one's from Riptides. There's an episode of Black Mirror, uh, San Junipero, where you upload a copy of yourself into a virtual world when you die to live the rest of your days. Theological implications aside, if you had to do something similar and your choices were any single zone in WoW, which zone would you choose and why?
0: You do anymore.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of gone. Uh, For me, this is going to sound a little bit odd probably to a bunch of folks since I've been such a, a big Horde player over the years. Dunmarog, I have Always felt at home in the dwarf Land. It's always been this this comforting place for me, uh, just in general concept. So if that was gonna be it, I could I could live out the rest of my virtual days in that zone, no problem, uh, until the servers went dark. I mean, good beer, good hunting, uh fights to be had, uh good commerce, camaraderie, like what what's not to love about that area? And you know, you get to be on Trogs. Great fun. What about you?
0: Well, first off, uh, as a trog, my attorney will be contacting you. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: no, I think for me, it's um, it's uh, Warlords of Draenor, uh, Shadowmoon Valley.
1: Mm, yeah, I can see that.
0: First of all, I hate the sun. I hate being exposed to its horrible withering rays. And uh, thanks to the you know repeated eye surgeries, um, I'm super light sensitive. Like, I go outside and the sun's out. I'm basically, if I'm not wearing sunglasses, I cannot see, um, and I'm in a lot of pain. So. You telling me it's always nighttime? Yeah, sign me up. Uh, it's always nighttime, and I didn't have to put out the sun to do it because I know the sun is the source of all life. If we, you know, a place where we could have permanent night, I'm down. Uh, it's not as depressing as the other place where I could have permanent night, namely Darkshore. So that's a plus. Um, in general, yeah, I, I think honestly for me, I yeah. think it's it's a uh, Shadowmoon Valley. Plus the Draenei are cool. I like the Draenei. Um, I actually retired my. Uh, one of my Draenei warriors. I'm still not playing him. I retired him to uh, the garrison in Shadowmoon Valley, and I just left him there. That's where he is right now. So I have another one because you know I, I wasn't gonna not have a Draenei warrior. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it'd be Shadowmoon Valley. I think that's where that's where I would want to go if I had to go to a WoW zone. Then it would definitely be Shadowmoon Valley. Fair
1: enough. Our next question comes from Zul. Uh, question for well, it was originally for the Cube, but we're taking it for here. Haha. Uh, how many reps? Her covenant are there? There's the standard rep everyone grinds, a special covenant-only rep, and now the activity reps. But how many does your character have to grind? A bonus point question, and if we changed covenant and decided to come back again, are those reps still there, or do they need to be raised all over again? The, uh, I think the next part's about it as well, too, right? Or is that, I think it's the Torgas part is is with that? Uh, Torgas is fun, uh, in my oh, opinion. It's a separate thing. Okay, I didn't see a name with it. Apologies.
0: Previous episode that we did. Oh, know. that's right.
1: Yeah, never mind. It? Oh, okay. it's been a week, folks. I'm sorry. So yeah, so go for it. How many? I don't know how many covenant reps there are. I, I know. There's... I don't either. <laughs> Straight up, I've barely got one. As soon as I got one character to sixty, I stopped playing and
0: switched to other my other characters, and I'm working on them. So I haven't even picked a covenant yet.
1: Uh, uh, and uh, I know that I have two for Arnwell that I'm working with because there's the. Uh thing doesn't
0: count as, a, as a it's not exactly a reputation it's similar to a reputation but it's not exactly a reputation mm-hmm. then there's vihari who has her own thing going that's kind of like a reputation but it's different she uh, has a trust to, bar yeah, but but she's that's not related to covenants everybody has vihari um i think that for most- with most covenants there's there's the quartermasters who are in areas like you can get gear from them and they're like, there's ones in Bastion in Revendreth and Maldraxxus and Ardenweald. I don't think they're specifically covenant related, but they are reputations that you get. Yeah. I think um,
1: there's one, I think there's, there is one specific for for your, uh, your covenant. Right. And then there's the armies of essentially, because if you look at the, the reps that you earn for going out and doing the, the quests for all of them, it's always like, it's the resistance for Revendrath, It's, uh, I forgot what the army is, the, the military force of Bastion is called. It's the, the wild hunt for Arden Weld. Um, it, like, they're, it's the army of, or the undeath army or something like that for uh, Maldraxxus. And those don't change. Those are the same across the board, no matter what you do. And then if you choose the covenant, you get a covenant specific one, like in Ardenweld. I have, I always call it night court, but it's not night court. It's court of night, um, which is that particular zones one. So I think there's only two, one that's covenant specific. And then the one that's the general, like basically
0: when you do a calling, you're doing a calling for the general.
1: Yeah. And I don't know how it interacts when you change your covenant. Uh, I haven't looked into it that much, uh, if they're trying to be nice about it, like they have with some of the past with, uh, thank you, Padilla, Army of the Undying. Uh, in the past, when you faction change, they would try to do an equivalent, uh, reputi- rep, rep, wow, I cannot talk today. Uh, they would try to make a, a cohesive rep switch. So like, you know, X would translate into Y on the other side. I don't know if they do that now, uh, cause I don't plan on changing my, uh, uh, my covenant, but it's definitely something to look into. If they're nice about it, it would just transfer over. If not, you're probably going to be grinding again. So, yeah, I don't know anything else to add to that one. Not really. Okay, now this one's from Easy Target, and I apologize. Uh, Torgas is fun in my in my opinion, a lot of fun solo to five man, crazy powers, lots of shuffling of powers, mobs, levels, and players. I think they may have the outline of a fun standalone game. Well, I think so at least. But what do you think? Uh, I. It's obviously inspired
0: by several standalone games. I mean, it's yeah. pretty inspired by roguelikes. It's also draws some legends from riffs from uh, from Diablo 3. Uh, definitely draws some that to a degree. I mean, obviously games like Hades is a big influence. I think Hades has been a big influence on everything. Supergiant tends to do that. They make a game that maybe doesn't necessarily reach a huge audience. They're somewhat niche, but they tend to influence everybody in game development. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bastion definitely did that. And I think that uh, Hades has definitely done that as well. I know people who who know about video games, people who are deep into video games, are playing the heck out of Hades. Yep. But who just you know, it's not widespread. It's just the the way of it with super giant games. Uh, but definitely that that's Torgast is influenced by all that. I think Torgast is my favorite thing they've done this expansion. I haven't gotten into them much in the actual game because I played it so much on the beta that I'm a little. I need to. I need time away from it before I can go back into it. But yeah, Torgas is kind of terrifyingly good, in my opinion.
1: I think it's really accessible. I think it is uh, a surprisingly good uh, piece of content. Uh, it's better than I anticipated. I play a lot of roguelikes. Like, most of my Steam library, if you were to go through it, is weird RPGs or roguelikes for the most part. And so, like, I like those types of games. I like games that are not static that have replayability based purely off of the uh, feedback loop that you're sort of getting into and this does that you have a goal uh, there are things that repeat themselves uh, but not dissimilar to slay the spire or you know Hades or uh, binding of Isaac the the floors may be have like the same number of levels you go through but how they look how you interact with them. Uh, the order in which you move through them changes. Uh, it, I don't know how infinite it is in its construction because uh, I have already seen some map tiles repeat uh, and I haven't played a whole lot of it, but I think it's a really cool concept and I think it's a lot of fun. My only gripe with it is I wish you had more than two sections a week to choose from uh, as far as like what you're going to do your runs through uh, because I've seen... What is it? The Shatter something or other, multiple times at this point, and since the expansion came out, and I haven't seen. I think I missed the Soul Forges.
0: I think they just opened two new ones, though. Um, so you might get to see more. Yeah, they, and they've levels. So
1: now, as far as it being a standalone game, maybe. Uh, I don't know if it's enough of a concept to break it out all of a, on its own, uh, for Blizzard to really invest in, especially when. The roguelike market is incredibly saturated. Uh, yeah. I mean, Rogue Legacy 2 just came out, Spelunky 2 just came out, those are both roguelikes. Rogue Legacy is one of the definitive roguelikes. Um, ooh, excuse me. Uh, Binding of Isaac's getting a new content update. We just talked about Hades, um, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, the Hyrule, uh, Necro Dancer version. Like, there's a ton of roguelike games out there. Does Blizzard really want to creep into that market? They could, but would it be would it be as good as Torgast is in context of WoW? Because
0: yeah, you're, you're onto something with that statement. I think that Torgast works pretty well as like a, a, a unique form of, of solo to slash group content. It takes a lot of what we've seen in pre- in previous stuff like the rogue, like the mage tower and the the um, terrific visions and makes it a full-fledged feature that works pretty well and can and has expandability uh but in terms of it actually just being a game i mean maybe you could make it a mobile game but i don't think it would it wouldn't feel as good as it does to take your world of Warcraft character into Torghast. I think that that's the, the place where it riddles best.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think part of it also is because we have a connection to Torghast in context of wow, which I think plays into it a lot because when we're going in there, we're going in, not just for like the fun of it, which you can do, but story-wise your character has a reason that they're going in. They're trying to rescue or get information or spy or do whatever. Uh and it sort of ties into the greater universe. And because of that, I think it gives it a little more legs without overdeveloping the feature. So uh, I, I it could, but I don't know that it ever would. And I don't know that it would. Oh, I, Malcolm. What's that?
0: Oh, Ian Malcolm. You know, are your scientists were so busy trying to figure out if they could. They didn't stop to think if they should. They
1: should. Yeah, that's a really should good one. They
0: do, should they do this here? I don't think they should. I think Torgast is in a really good place. And that's the place it should be.
1: Now, that said, we did have a question a while back about other genres we'd like to see Blizzard get back into or get into for the first time. Who knows if they're going to expand that or what they're looking at or what they're targeting. Uh, I think that with their IPs or a new IP, they could do whatever they so choose to do. Uh, And if they threw their their full weight behind it, I'm sure it would be a a pretty great product if they want. Mm, I think that's going to do it for us unless you have any more that you want to go through
0: um i do know that we're at pretty much the end of the show and i feel really bad i should have put the question at the end of the email earlier in the email but i didn't and now <laughs> so the second week we're pushing this one back it's a really involved question guys like i, I want to get to it but it's huge it would take us took 20 minutes to read the email and then actually start answering it um so this is on me this is my bad i'm sorry
1: I wouldn't say that we sometimes we are we are blessed with a uh, a cornucopia of questions from you, our listeners. And thank you for that. Uh, But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreoncom slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience thank you joe uh again guys if you have an
0: email or a question for the podcast you can get it to us either by emailing it uh podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know it's the show or you can use our discord server we have two channels open uh the podcast queue and is it podcast queue no it's q and podcast and i don't blargity blarg they're, I can't they're labeled
1: whatever. they're labeled clearly
0: <laughs> uh, patron Q and podcast questions there i got it just needed a second or you can go to the Q questions channel. Either of those will work. Um, we take questions from both of those. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us and uh, for being active in the chat, which is you know really useful. Thank you guys for that. Um, we're going to be here again next week. Um, I do know that the holidays are coming up, but I don't think Tuesday is a bad day on either of those. So we're probably just going to do the show as normal. If something comes up, we will let you know in advance. Uh, I wanted to put that out there. I know for a lot of people, this is going to be a really weird year holidays wise um, for me too. So we're going to keep that in mind. There but is we-
1: one other thing I would like to add too. we are coming up on our 300th episode of this podcast, which is mind blowing for any podcast that has ever existed in the history of time. Getting to that level of, of interaction, having that many episodes is incredible. Uh, I, I, kind of want to do something special for that 300 so you our listeners out there if you have something you'd like to hear or something you think would be fun for our 300th episode let us know and we can see if we can can do something (laughs) (laughs) um and before anybody says anything uh the one the one caveat is having anon is always going to be in in any capacity with it is going to be probably a no-go just due to the nature of how the industry works uh, anybody who guests on any of our podcasts when they're where they're tied up especially with uh blizzard we have to go through a ton of, of vetting even with history so that's the one thing please don't ask for we'd love to have her back but that's a really difficult ask
0: yeah thank you guys for listening to the show uh we'll be here next week